This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Roundup. There's no special announcements or anything, so let's jump right in. First up, Fixel has just released an internal optical drive emulator for the Sanyo Tri-3DO consoles. So very quick background, Fixel's optical drive emulator for the 3DO used to come in just two choices. One external version called the Export that would work in pretty much every 3DO, and I'm pretty sure including the Sanyo Tri as well. And then Fixel also had an internal version that only worked with the FZ1 model 3DO. And since a bunch of people had requested, Fixel had ported that over, so now there's a version specifically for the Sanyo Tri 3DO, which I know this is so dorky to say, but we need to get Mark from My Life in Gaming one of these things just out of principle. I think it would be hilarious. But anyway, if you have one of these with a dead optical drive, don't worry about it. Now you have a solution that would absolutely work great. I did get a chance to test this thing out myself and it loaded games ridiculously fast. It was reliable. I just, I liked it a lot and it's not cheap, but this is definitely one of those get what you pay for scenarios. So if you've already invested in a Sanyo Tri and you would like a optical drive emulator, this one's for you. Next up, pre-orders are now open for a second batch of N64 Blue Retro receivers. And the price is the same, but this time the receivers also come in both smoke black and classic gray. So if you want it to match the gray controller ports, there's that same version as last time. And there's also a very cool looking smoke black version for people that like transparent stuff. Uh, the same performance as last time, all the specs are there. I believe there might be a firmware update either about to be released or coming, but I haven't had time to cover that yet. So maybe we'll get, go over that next week unless I'm remembering it wrong. But either way, most importantly, if you're looking for the hardware for this thing, definitely check out the link and see if you want to purchase one. Price uh, for me came to about 40 bucks after shipping and I'm outside the New York area in the US. So that's probably a decent way, a decent thing to expect for wherever you are are within reason, especially if you're in North America. So anyway, uh, check this thing out if you're interested, and I'm going to definitely end up doing a live stream with this thing at one point. A few weeks ago, Mike Chi released the RetroTank 5X firmware version 3.0, and we recently had time to do a live stream and go over all of the new features. Mike was very kind to patiently take his time to walk us through everything and do a fun live stream and demo. And while most of my live streams are ones that I would normally say, oh, just watch it if you're a super nerd, this is one of the ones that I actually think most people might be interested in if you're the type of person that likes to dive deep into the RetroTank settings. Now, I always try to remind people that 
that if you don't care about any of these things, all you have to do to use the RetroTINK 5X is plug it in and set your input. And that's it. So if you don't care about any of this stuff, you just want to use your scaler and not have to worry, then don't worry about this. But if you do want to see things like scanline emulation and hear about some of the even lower latency modes than before that Mike has added and a bunch of other very cool stuff, definitely check out the live stream. There's also the it's the same uh, write up page as before. So if you would like, you know, definitely just check out all of the, the bullet points if you just want a, kind of a basic overview. And as always, doesn't really matter how mad some of you get when I say this, I have to give a shout out to Mike to continuing to support this product for some reason that annoys people, but I don't really care. I got to give credit where credit's due. Mike could have very easily just not released this at all and then done a follow-up product or, you know, tweaked it ever so slightly and then called this the next revision, you know, like every single TV, computer, car, and everything else ever made. But Mike didn't. Uh, he's supporting the same exact software, or the same hardware that you got from day one, and everybody gets basically the same features. There's a few like nitpicky things if you really wanted to get into it, but basically, even doesn't matter when you bought the RetroTank 5X, you can now update it to get all of this awesomeness with it for free. So thank you very much, Mike, for all of that. And uh, if you're if you're all into this stuff, check out the live stream. This week's roundup is once again sponsored by JLC PCB, and today I'm going to show the PCB Plus assembly order that we've been placing over the past few weeks and show you how it arrived, and let's go over and see how it works. So as we unbox this, I think the most important thing to note is that everything is oriented properly and packed and shipped well, but the USB port, audio jack, and switches all look fine, and remember that they looked kind of weird in the preview window, so you can trust that it will be manufactured correctly. The only thing that's missing is the SCART port, which of course we knew that because that's a very weird part that most people wouldn't stock anyway, so I just have to add that one manually. And honestly, this is something that any beginner could handle. Yes, it's a lot of pins, but this is the perfect scenario of have an assembly made for all the hard stuff and then just do these individual larger pins yourself. Next up, I'm just going to be removing the screws from the D-sub connector that allow us to fit it directly into another device. And I could really use your all help on this one. Um, I need screws to hold that metal piece in, but I want them coming from the back forward. So as you can see here, you could screw it directly into whatever device that you're using. So if anybody could help out with that, I'd really appreciate it. But next up, we're going to test the sync output. So we're going to just plug everything into that $30 scope and toggle the sync switch on and off to see what it outputs. And it looks like the sync when the stripper is on is a bit too low, which means that I spec'd out the wrong resistor in the bill of materials. So I could fix that in a later build. But the last error I found is really weird. The traces between the SCART port and the audio output are there, but I need to add jumper wires. So I'm not sure where this fault lies, but I'm gonna follow up next week with what exactly happened with that. A group of retro gaming fans have just translated Mega Man Legends 2 into Portuguese, and they did so with both the written text as well as the voiceover acting. And you could select whether you would want the full Portuguese dub or a text-only translation into Portuguese, but leave the original English dub. And as always, I just want to extend so much thanks and appreciation to anybody who works on these translation projects, even translating it into languages that I can't speak because I just think it's amazing 
that more people around the world are able to experience these games for the first time and not really have something like a language barrier be a block to that. So if you'd like more info on this, please check out Crystal's post and the embedded links and video. But this is just absolutely awesome to see more projects like this popping up. And I'm very, very thankful for the people that do it. Kaitor Industries has recently released an adapter that reorients the SCART port on the RetroTank 5X. So basically, if you're listening to this audio only, or if you've never seen a RetroTank 5X with the SCART connector plugged in, the connector is routed in a way where the SCART cable swings around the front of the retro tank, which is not anything that bothered me, but I imagine that that would be very annoying for cable routing or for some people who whose aesthetics of their setup is very important to them. So one of the fixes that I had found previously was just getting a flat SCART cable in order to deal with that and then wrapping it around underneath and uh, just routing it right behind. But I guess those are getting harder to find. Um, and that just might not be something you want to do. Maybe you already have all of your cables run and you just want it oriented behind you. So Kaitor Industries is, has released an adapter that you plug it into the side and your SCART cable plugs on top and the cable is now routed behind. It, it also offers a 3D printed case that you could either download and print yourself, which is awesome. Thank you for that. Or if you don't have a 3D printer, you could just add it for an extra 12 bucks to the price. And the 3D printed case has feet on it that help it uh, be the same exact level as the RetroTank 5X. So said differently, when you plug this thing into the side and you set it on a flat surface, there is no pressure put on the RetroTank's SCART port. It's perfectly even. And to be honest, you might argue that this is less pressure than a cable that's oriented on the side. And you might even argue that if you're somebody that constantly unplugs and replugs your SCART cables, that buying this would wear out the Kaitor adapter faster than the RetroTank. So if you ever plug it in too many times and the pins wear out, you just replace the Kaitor adapter, not the RetroTank. I honestly don't know what the realistic feasibility of wearing out a SCART connector is, but I have heard people complain about that. Uh, and I just, now I, here's another option for you. So I'm not saying that's something you need to worry about, but if it is, here's a potential solution. I ran some basic tests on it and especially my favorite one, to, uh, to run for stuff like this, which is doing that exact scene in Super Mario World I always use, using sync on composite video cables, and then taking one picture of it directly plugged into the tank and another through this, of course, in optimal timings mode and all of that, just to see if any of the composite video interference is picked up. And the pictures looked identical to me. So that's not surprising because that's one of, in all respect in the world to Kaitor, by the way, this is a compliment, not an insult, but the only reason you would ever see interference in a situation like this is if the board was routed very badly and it wasn't, it was routed completely fine. So it seems like this is a perfectly safe adapter, both uh, as far as quality and, and functionality goes. And it's just kind of a neat thing. So if you wanted to purchase one of these, it's going to be under 40 bucks after shipping. And if you don't, that's cool too. But I'm just happy that there's more options out there for people that want to do multiple things. I recently posted an interview with Keith Rainey, who designed the monoscope pattern that's now in the 240p test suite, which is a really important tool to use because not only does it help overall geometry calibration of your RGB monitors, but it also helps just basic aspect ratio setting, which is something that's especially cool if you want to set up like a 16 by 9 CRT, or if you just want to make sure to tweak your 4 by 3 CRTs so that the geometry, even the basic horizontal and vertical centering can be 
as good as possible. And for me personally, that is something that's important to me. I don't dig into full CRT calibration because it takes an infinitely longer time than anything else. Plus, I'm very often going through different CRTs and trading them and using them for projects. I don't really have one that I just always use. So I just kind of embrace all of their flaws except basic horizontal and vertical size and centering because that is super super easy on most bvms and on some pvms so being able to just grab your bvms controller access this menu and you know i want to switch from a genesis to a super nintendo game so i'll fire up that monoscope pattern make sure everything's centered make sure everything's the proper four by three ratio and move on so it's a very important tool for Ex super expert calibrators or just basic people that want to get things centered and right. Also, I mean, we chatted about CRT recording and just basically just nerdiness in general. So if you're a fan of CRTs, maybe flip this one on and give it a listen. And as always, these are available on every podcast platform that I could possibly figure out how to get this on. I don't play favorites. I just want it to be as easy as it is for you all to listen to. Uh, and of course, it's on YouTube if you want to watch the video of it as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Shank from Shank Mods recently posted a video showing off one of the many crazy projects that he's working on that I absolutely love. This is a ridiculous project that took Martin's 129X input card for BVMs and some model PVMs that was basically a recreation of the original that allows you to route RGB and component video through. And Shank took a miniaturized Wii that had a motherboard that was cut down and built a completely custom from scratch board that this was wired into. So essentially, this is now an input card that's open sourced. You can make your own. I have the, the links to the GitHub if you would like. But basically, you slide this card in the back of an H-series BVM or any of the L-series PVMs, and you could basically just have a Wii right there. You have the controller ports plugged in. It's powered off of the RGB monitor. It is just such a neat project. And while I love it, and I really think you should definitely watch the YouTube short that Shank posted. And also, uh, Steve from Retrotech did a video on it. So if you want to just get a little more info, you know, definitely check those out. But while I love this project, and while I think Shank is just awesome for doing this stuff, I do think it brings up a really important point and maybe might motivate other people in the community to do something along the same lines. Imagine a BVM or a PVM with an HDMI input. Now, Half the nerds listening are going, well, that's cool. And the other half are going, why wouldn't you just plug in an HDMI to component video converter and leave it hanging off the outside? Both are fair, but 
you know, if you're the type of person that says Shanks thing is dumb, why don't you just connect a Wii to the input card? Just move to the next section. This isn't for you. But if you're a weirdo like we are, what if we took something like that HDMI splitter that I'd reviewed that I constantly talk about because I use this thing all the time. It has one HDMI input, two HDMI outs, as well as optical and SPDIF audio, as well as uh, analog audio. That's fine. It's not the best DAC, but totally fine. So what if we took, what if we built a 129X input card that allowed you to buy one of these, pull the guts out and bolt it right onto this board and, you know, maybe solder some things like make a flex cable for one of the HDMI outputs, make a flex cable for the voltage, or if there's easier places to tap that off. And then buy one of those other um, HDMI to component video DACs that I've been using for a million years. And I know these are hit or miss, so we would just have to determine which ones, you know, maybe somebody could do a bulk buy of this, but also buy one of these and same thing, strip the guts out of it, you know, maybe remove some of the ports or whatever else, and then have this all assembled onto that board. So what you would essentially end up with is, you know, a very expensive 129X input card that has HDMI in, HDMI, optical audio, coax, uh, coax optical, and left and right audio out, plus also interface directly with the component video circuit that's inside the monitor. Essentially, you know, HDMI in with HDMI out, directly into one of these multi-formats. And since most of the monitors that are compatible with the 129X support 240p, 480i, 480p, 720p, and for, uh, 1080i, then this might be a really, really awesome solution for that. So yeah, it's ridiculous. Yes, it would cost far more than buying a 129X replacement and buying those two devices and having them all hang out the back, but wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be fun to do that? I mean, it would be a lot cheaper if we could figure out how to get the chips of the splitters and the decks, but we've been trying for years and those companies are really hard to work with. So if you want any more info on this, please check out these videos. And of course, if you want more info on the 129X replacement cards, definitely check out those. I embedded everything into this post, but my fellow nerds, if you know how to work on this stuff, consider a project that I just threw out there to the world because I think the few of us that are able to own one of these would absolutely love it. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. I'm just going to skim through everything here, and if you want any more details, please check out Lou's video or even the post. And also, I saw that Lou had recently uploaded a full year update of the Mr. FPGA project. So if you're just coming into these, or if you kind of haven't been paying attention to the Mr. scene, maybe just have one easy to watch video that'll catch you up with everything that's been going on. So thanks to Lou for doing that. But let's go through. Um, first of all, the team who did the Mr. Multisystem just started an open discussion about the potential future hardware of the Mr. FPGA project. Some of the posts were just as gross and trolly as I expected, but most were pretty positive and helpful. But I just, I think that people should know when they go into reading this, that this is coming from a love for the community and for the project. This isn't like an agenda or something like that. They really are just trying to help. I've talked with Richard quite a bit about stuff like this, and we even talked about it with the interview with Neil as well. So this is just a positive, let's open up the dialogue just to plan ahead type of thing. There's nothing wrong with the DE10. You can still get them from Terrasic for more than it used to be, but less than it probably should be, to be honest with you. So I just think conversations like this are great. 
but I tend to not have them publicly for, for this exact reason. So hopefully uh, people could just ignore any of the shitty comments and stick with the good ones. Because even if we're talking about five years from now, it's still nice just to have a, an idea of what to expect and where to go. For me personally, the only thing that I would have to add to this conversation is if it's not broke, don't fix it. So yes, part shortage for everything on the planet. Yes, the DE10 is a little more expensive, but I wouldn't switch to anything else unless it offered a very, very big advantage like 4K60 or 4K120, which isn't feasible, by the way. I know that's not a thing. I'm just saying, you know, something very big that, that would benefit everybody, not just in availability and cost, but in functionality. That's the type of thing that I would say, okay, you know, DE10s getting more expensive and harder to find. Now let's move on. But I wouldn't just do a lateral move to a different platform and fracture the community. That doesn't seem like the smartest move, unless it was something built directly for the Mr. Community, in which case, hell yeah, I'm all on board. Next, uh, Joel Wybro uh, is a developer who had made an I.O. board for the Mr. that could originally have been housed in a Sega Saturn Model 1 case, but a bunch of us no-cut mod freaks uh, online had politely requested that maybe he port the project over to a Model 2 Saturn case because you could get those cases from all of the different distributors now. You get the nice transparent ones, all the different colors. So basically, people who buy this could really make it from all brand new parts and not have to sacrifice a Saturn. And Joel's taking a look at that and hopefully we'll make that happen. I don't know about any of you. It's all a preference. There is no right answer, but I think having something that looks like an original console, but with a mister in it, is something I would absolutely love to have. And I'd certainly like to see kits that install in like the retro gamer store cases as well. So heck Joel, if you're uh, you know, if you feel like doing a couple of designs and, and manufacturing a bunch of these, I will gladly promote them for you because I think there's a lot of us that would love to do stuff like that. Next, the IRM M92 development is pretty far along. Worker Walkers posted a video showing off the core. Um, there's some alignment that needs to be fixed, but as always, no pressure. Take your time, Martin. Those cores have been awesome. Uh, a new version of the PlayStation core was officially released with a new feature, pop-in controller support, which was a controller dedicated to the pop-in music series of games. Plus, it has a bunch of bug fixes. Hotego just released a beta core for the arcade game Karnov, which is the main game for Hotego's JT Karnov core, which also supports Chelnov. There's also plans to release one more game for the core before it's a public release. And just once again, all of the stuff Hotego does is eventually free for everybody, but all of the beta stuff is for Patreon supporters. You could like it or not like it. I'm, I'm all for that, by the way, though. Next, the schematics extraction for the main CPS3 PCB is almost done by Hotego's team. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to wake up tomorrow morning to a CPS3 core, but it just means that there's another very big step forward towards making that happen. So thank you. Oh, Lou already talked about his uh, 2022 year in review. Well, I already covered that. Didn't even know you wrote it here, Lou. I pimped that out uh, just on my own because uh, I'm a fan of yours. And uh, lastly, there's some miscellaneous updates to the PTXT core. PCXT core. Uh, so as always, check out Lou's channel. Please subscribe. And Lou's also covering analog pocket updates, which we should probably cover a little bit more here now that they're they're kind of having some more bigger releases. But I don't know. Let me know what you think. Do you want to see more content like that here? Do we just point everybody over to Lou's channel? It's really all up to you.
Pre-orders are now open for a GameCube controller called the Legacy GC. This is a wired GameCube controller that works with the GameCube Wii, those uh, four-player USB adapters, anything with a GameCube port, and it's only $20 plus shipping. Now, the controller is interesting. When I first saw the picture of it, I thought, oh, so it's like modeled off a Hori controller. And then as I took a closer look, I was definitely wrong. It's kind of more like a Wii Classic controller, um, but with the D-pad or with the button configuration of something like the Hori pad. So I have a picture of them side by side with each other so that you can see they're definitely not the same thing. But overall, I just I kind of thought this was interesting and neat and it has a bunch of different functionality, like macros that allow the D-pad to function as the analog or C-stick. The shoulder buttons now utilize both digital and analog inputs, and it includes turbo functionality as well. So this is one of those things where, you know, it's going to have to be up to the pro players to say if this is going to be good enough for a melee tournament. You know, do you want to use this for Game Boy Player, for any of the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, or Game Boy Advance games? And to be honest you really got to get your hands on one of these in order to tell. Maybe it's going to be a great controller. Maybe it's not. But with a $20 price tag, this is something that, in my opinion, is worth the risk. So if you were like, okay, I don't want to spend 200 bucks on a, a brand or a used Hori controller in box, I think you could find them like 130 without a box. But still, if you don't want to drop that much money, but you do want something that's more sort of SNES style for your GameCube, then I feel like it's worth taking the risk for 20 bucks. You know, worst comes to worst, you have a spare controller to give to your friends that you don't like very much when they come over. Well, that's it for this time. Thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and always and especially thank you to anybody who supports in any possible way, because support services like Patreon and Floatplane are really what is keeping all of this alive. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.